I'm Tony Lockwood, founder of Tom to Write Partners, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of Inside Track, where I discuss business transformation journeys with leading figures in industry. Welcome to episode seven, where today I'm joined in conversation with Leo Falcone. Leo's background spans continents, and we will explore, amongst other things, a little about the cultural differences that he's experienced in delivering transformation programs across continents. So let's get into it. Hello, Leo. Uh, great that you could join us today. Uh, I've been really fortunate to have had conversations with a wide range of, of people on these podcasts uh, um, to date. And uh, I was interested in getting you involved specifically as you'd had experience both as a consultant initially and, um, and, and then in delivering transformations in different countries. Um, so it'd be good to explore this further as, we, as, as we've progressed, you know, the, the cultural differences that you've come across. Um, but before we do that, one of the questions I asked um, in, in the lead up to this is how do you define transformation? It's a great question. It really is, Tony. Um, thanks, uh, thanks for talking to me about this subject. As you know, I'm very passionate about it. Um, so uh, always very uh, keen to uh, share my, my knowledge and, and learnings. Um, so this is a great opportunity for that. You know, the transformation thing is such a fantastic, um, you know, area of work or discipline because it, it means so many things to so many people and uh, organizations and people themselves can transform in lots of different ways um, it's quite interesting how once you learn the craft of transformation and leading transformation you're better to det- you're better at detecting how people are approaching it uh, and and it, sometimes it actually helps you, enhances your own way of doing it. And sometimes you can really see some risks involved in it. So, so it's it's actually quite quite interesting to keep one's eyes open about how people are doing transformation, the various different approaches they adopt. Yeah. So, so for me, the transformation piece has three core elements to it. So, the first element is is delivering strategy and what I mean by delivering strategy is not that there's a you know an executive sponsor involved because that's often seen as being a strategic piece you know there's an executive that sits on the board um, or a CEO uh, is sponsoring this project it's strategic I call strategic um, a process of gaining a competitive advantage in the marketplace mm-hmm. so achieving superior performance as an organization in whatever area or discipline or market yeah. that organization operates now to achieve that that superior performance um, organizations are constantly having to revise the direction that they take they have to really respond to the the sort of political and social uh, context. They have to respond to markets. They have to uh, supply chain responses as well. There's a whole range of factors there. So, so when an organisation develops its strategy, what it's really saying is that one day we want to operate in this way in order to access those benefits or respond to those issues or that competitor, whatever it might be. So the strategy really sets a snapshot in the future um, around how that organization wants to perform. 
So then when we reflect back at transformation, we ask, well, what does transformation do? How does it help us achieve this new state of performance? And this is where the ironic bit is, because sometimes we define transformation as having lots of different elements to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's across lots of departments or it's got a, a, dep- a sort of enterprise budget. All of these little indicators that we use to say that's a transformation. But actually transformation for me is a very detailed process. Mm-hmm. And what it does is, is, is look at each element of that current operating model and unpacks it, yeah. opens it up and says, If we are to reflect on this piece of operation, how would it look in that new state? Okay. So so that might be a configuration in a system. It might be a policy. It might be a process. It might be a a capability framework or a skill set. It's a whole range of different elements. And the beautiful thing about transformation is that when we un- wherever we start on that line to unpack, once we unpack the one piece and we reflect it in terms of what it looks like in the future, what it should look like in the future, we have to then recalibrate and recast all the other elements yeah. associated with it. So transformation for me means that you start in the detail and you work outwards. Right, and so it's 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 from the inside out, and and that is a very important process that takes place, and it's a very detailed, uh, time-consuming and and focused um, work um, that then builds on and becomes a bigger piece, and then at the end of that, we've got a description of how we would operate in that future space. Okay, right. that's one element. Yeah. So is that. A little bit like Stephen Covey was, you know, start with the end in mind. But have a greater understanding of what you're trying to get to. Uh, absolutely. Uh, aligned with the strategic intent of the business and such, but be very clear about where yeah. you're trying to get to and what you're trying That's to do. That's right. So, so often what we do is we, we see these organisations that say, we want to deliver that strategy, we want that new product, or we want that new uh, financial system or that new HR system, um, go away and deliver that. And then you get this team that comes in from the outside, usually a very good consulting team, and says, look, let's try and imagine what this is going to be like for you because it was the same for them over there and they're very similar to you. So we'll just do the same. So the biggest mistake, first of all, is actually not to have that engagement internally about what does this look like? And it's only the people in that organisation, isn't it, Tony, that can really understand where we are today and how it might look as a new strategy in that future. Absolutely. So, and, and I think the good external uh, yes, people to, yes. to those organisations are those that can come in and challenge that status quo, but do it in that, a, a challenging way, not coming in saying, this is the way you've got to do it. It's Absolutely. facilitating them to understand what the, what, the, um, what the state of the possible is. Absolutely. What the state of the possible is and, and, and what that future direction will look like for their immediate team as well. So, mm-hmm. so one of the things that, that, as you say, is engaging people within the organisation to take ownership. And one of the ways that we do that is to say, well, articulate the case for change. Now, we've all heard the case for change concept because that's a lot of management yeah. consulting firms are using that. 
Um, but the case for change for me is really about that the, the leader of that department or that team really thinking about how that new strategy would apply to their area. What, what does it look like? You know, how will we actually be doing things differently? You know, yeah. um, how will my team work this process or how, that, how are we going to engage with that system? How will we do it differently? And that brings me to the second pillar of transformation. Okay. I was going to come back and say three, <laughs> and we've only got one so far. So. <laughs> the second piece is now that we know what this new way of doing things looks like, and we've aligned all of our policy, our processes, our systems, everything is reflecting this in the way that people are going to do it. How are we going to get our people to take up that new approach over the approaches that they're accustomed to and very comfortable with and actually quite wedded to because sometimes culturally or psychologically, that is their territory. So how do we get them to adopt this new world effectively? And, and, and I think, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's change management to, to, to some extent, isn't it? It's, it's exactly what it is. It's the vast majority of people don't like change. Yes. Um, so it's, it's understanding that and then taking them on that journey. That's right. And taking them on that journey is the critical piece, Tony, as you point out there, because um, if I were just to come in and slam that new world onto people, they're going to react differently to yeah. me. To, rather than I come in and say, look, you know, we, can you help this organisation, your organisation, get to this point? You know, how would you, how would you consider we should do this? You know, that's a very different journey, isn't absolutely. it? You know? yeah, so, so the change management element is absolutely crucial because we can be the best at writing all the policy and, 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 and designing the process, but if we don't have the adoption, the pickup from from um, the end users, um, staff in general, then we haven't really got a transformation. Okay, mm-hmm. so so you can't you can't have one without the other. You have to have that change management element. Yeah. And the third thing, and this is again because you know, as we pointed out, there's a risk that maybe people might not adopt this, or there's a risk that actually because we've been digging and unpacking so much, we're actually blowing out of, out of proportion here. It's much bigger than what we thought originally. The third pillar is the actual project machinery around mm. this piece of work, how it is governed, how it is, how it is managed, how it is reported on, and how configuration and change happens within the paradigm yeah. of that project. So that, they are the three elements for me. And depending on, on where you come from and your background will depend on which part of the prism you come to transformation from. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, and you know, being, playing a bit of devil's advocate, I suppose, yeah. but um, what does benefits realisation and, and sort of that, that real delivery aspect uh, fit into that? Is, that? is that a fourth part or is that, you know, do you see that an integral part of that governance piece around... Uh, I think so. I think it's a little, it's, it's in a little bit of all three of those, you know, it it really is, you know, as we say, sometimes, you know, safety is in the middle, you know, benefits realization can also be there in the middle, you know. I I just find it interesting because a lot in my experience, a lot of organizations, a lot of programs um, are not 
they don't spend enough time getting the business case sorted. Yes. And, 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 and what you were saying there in terms of being clear about what it is that they're trying to achieve and why they're doing it. Yes. And what, and what, and, and what are the drivers for doing it. Yeah. And because they they're not clear about that in the first instance, yeah. when it comes to validating whether that was ever delivered or not, yes. if, you, if you've got shaky foundations to start with, then you can't really measure the effectiveness of the building on top, can you? Absolutely. I think the, um, the techie guys, they use this thing called a traceability matrix, you know, which, which goes all the way through to the require from the requirements all the way through to you know delivery and all the system integrator piece and scope etc. Well, I extend that that matrix right the way from the strategy all the way down to the last piece of delivery. Right. So so each piece of my project is linked back through a deliverable a responsibility. Um, to the case for change through to the strategic intent. Right. And so when I have my suppliers on board as part of the procurement process, that's what I present to them as what I'm trying to deliver here. You yeah. know, sure, I'm trying to deliver an ERP upgrade or an implementation. Yes, that's that's true. But 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 the fundamental purpose of us doing this is is for us to gain that better performance. Absolutely. Okay. So so the the better I can actually have that, and the reason why I think that's very important is because you remember I said about getting into the detail. Mm. So one of the one of the real challenges I think for executive leaders of transformation and and people that are that are possibly you know sitting on on boards overseeing transformation. Um, is that so much is happening in the detail that that if a transformation leader is not able to function in the detail with the people that are doing the detail things, the delivery things, then you've got a major problem. Mm -hmm. So my purpose as a transformation leader is to be at the table when the detailed workings out are happening. Yeah. Because then I just become one of the team and my my hat is the strategy hat. They will look to, to me and say, Leo, how, how how does this fit in with the strategy piece? You know, is this is this what we're really trying to achieve? Is this is that the right direction? You know, so I think that's an important thing for transformation leaders to, to be able to get into the detail and work very closely with delivery teams, design and delivery teams, yeah. um, so that you are the living representation of the organization's strategy. As an executive in that organization, you represent that strategy. But also, the other it works conversely. I need to get my delivery teams to think about how they interpret the strategy and how they then see it coming into play in everything that we do and deliver. So things like the traceability matrix are a good way for everyone on that team to really see the connection between all the pieces, from the macro right the way to the micro. Yeah, absolutely. Picking up on something you said uh, almost at the start of of the the three pillars of of transformation, a lot of organisations see transformation as being Lots and lots of smaller projects coming together. Ah, right. uh, 
and, and I know from 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 talking to you before, you, one of the things that you did at University of Sydney was pulling together that whole overall portfolio yes. of I think you were saying fifty, sixty different projects. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and, and yes, I know you position that as a portfolio role. Yeah. But presumably, elements of that would, were transformational as well. Yes, I think you know this is where the boundaries aren't always clear cut because we can be working, and that was an internal team, wasn't it, Tony? You remember I said I built that team, which was yeah. effectively an internal consulting team that was there to actually you know, deliver all these projects that were all separate entities on their own. They're, you know, they're all running in different paces. So, so, so when the, the, those transformation experts, the team that, that worked with me, they were far better than I am. With, oh, let's put that up front. <laughs> they're absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, they started to see the interconnections, you know, that unpacking of that process yeah. relates to the... The, the capability framework review that we're doing for finance staff or, or, that, or that, that thing about the tr travel expenses system, we've got this policy issue and we're trying to redo the procurement policy over here. So, there's a, so, so all of these threads come in to connect with each other. When you're in the world of consulting, what you want to do is tell your client you know, what the start and what the finish is and what you're going to do in between. Then it becomes a nice piece it's designed as a nice piece of work you know there's opportunity to change and expand the scope yeah sure but it's boxed up you know it's 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 a product in organizations and this is a beautiful thing of having an in-house transformation person is you unleash yourself from that yeah and you can bring in all of those different strands you know and actually start to move these levers across the whole organization yes it's transformation you know, there's no doubt about it, yep. you know. Um, and, and when those pieces are, are, are coordinated uh, uh, and structured in terms of the project delivery side together, then that's our third pillar. Mm -hmm. That then formalises it into a transformation programme, you yep. know. But sure, there are all these other instances of the adoption piece, of the unpacking piece and redesigning and, and gaining better performance. All of those elements, you know, are, are happening all the way around the organisation. Sometimes we can bring them together and formalise them. Other times they're little pieces of, of continuous improvement. Yes. And, and, and what's been the most challenging project that you've been involved in? Oh, uh, yeah, I get asked, What made it challenging, shall we say? Yeah, I get this asked, I get this asked quite a lot. And um, I think people are quite surprised when I answer. Um, it's, it's not something massive. It's not, a, it's not a big transformation piece because in a lot of ways, there's a lot of risk around those, but actually they're, they're managed in a way that we know how to manage transformation projects. Yeah. I mean, it, all it takes is a Google search to say, risks of transformation projects and there's papers and papers published we know what they are we, we can, we've got a list you know so so we can actually go in and make sure that we're mitigating all of those risks now one of the one of the most challenging projects i had actually was with a uh, with, a, with a charity um uh, up in north london um for is actually a school for autistic children right um, and they were looking to expand their teaching capability and their um, their premises as well. Um, and you know how we think about the 
customer as the center of the services that we provide. And then we start to really sort of give the customer personas and, and characteristics. And then we start to say, well, actually, we can bunch all of those up together. And then we can provide a solution for those that group. And then that customer wants that, and we'll batch, batch those up. Well, the, each, each pupil was an individual, mm. you know, and those, those differences and idiosyncrasies were unique to, to each one of those students. So how do we basically take a school that is completely um, open in terms of likelihood and possibility yeah. and, and try to put a, an operation and a structure around it? And that was really, really challenging. Um, so, so it was transformational in that it would have transformed a lot of the lives of the individuals uh, that were taught there and it would have changed the school because it expanded, it was able to take on more staff, take on more students, you know, that bettered the life of the yeah. parents and the families because the kids were able to get a place at the school. So, so it's very transformative in a community sense as well. Yeah. Um, so, so it's the complexity comes in all sorts of different guises you know it can be a, a, it can be a wicked problem or it can be something about um, a human dynamic that is very difficult to be able to design around when we're doing work in the corporate environment we've got a very strong mandate haven't we we've got we've got a strong authoritarian lever to pull on you know CEO, he or she wants it done this way, you know, we have to deliver it this way and shareholders need it done that way and so on. So you've got that very top down. But 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 in, in um, values-driven organisations, what we find is it's more about the relationships and how the dynamics are happening and, and playing on the ground yeah. that we need to be able to understand and work around and engage in, you know. So I think the culture change element on these transformations is particularly important in those values-driven organisations. Yeah. And um, have you noticed significant difference across different countries? I know you, 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 you've obviously worked down in the Southern Hemisphere as well as the Northern yeah. Hemisphere, haven't you? So. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think there, is, there, there are some differences, um, but, but ultimately I think organisations pretty much work the way um, that organisations work in both hemispheres. Yeah. I think there is some cultural difference around formalities and informalities. Things like, for example, I worked at one institution where, um, you know, escalation was just a normal thing. You know, yeah. if you didn't like, if you didn't want to do something that way, that's fine. Don't talk to the project director, even though, you know, he's offered to come and speak to you. Just go straight to the vice chancellor. Right. Um, whereas we, we would probably be a little bit less, more reserved here, possibly to do that. Um, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Potentially, but yeah. it comes down to the individual, though, isn't it? It really does. Yeah. yeah. I, I and, and being able to take individuals on the journey. Absolutely, and I, you know, I really, I really buy into that because um, I think when you're working at a place like Sydney University which is a massive place and a, and a wonderful institution, you've got some people doing some pretty amazing things, mm. right? You know, they're, they're, they're working on about pushing the boundaries of human knowledge and, and, and capability. So, so you don't want to front up and say, look, you know, can you, 
can you just do these invoices online, you know, or do these purchase orders online? It's just so, you know, the idea of being able to provide something that enhances the way that people work. The university gets all of the control that it needs around spending, but you're also helping and, and, and bettering that, that work life for that individual. That's the ideal. So the, the transformation leader very much is, is often very much about bridging that gap. You know, how does this new world going to improve the way that I work? Mm-hmm. How is it going to drive better outcomes for, for me, for my KPIs yes. that I've committed to the organisation? So it is a very sort of stakeholder engagement environment. It is very much about getting in and, to, and understanding the detail and the variations about how people are working. And we've spoken before about this 80-20 principle, you know. What I tend to do is when I start the transformation program is um, I, have, I have some sort of predefined steps that I go through. And obviously you, you would have pretty much guessed the strategy piece is one of the first things, you know, that I look for and how we translate that. Um, another piece that I look at is, is around the team around me and, and, and what sort of skills are there, what skills I can develop and which ones I need to bring in because I need to have the complete suite of, of skills there. And then the third is I go to the user, the people that are going to be impacted by this new change, this new yeah. world, this new way of performing. Um, and, I, and I do a bit of analysis about who can I put in the green bucket? And my green bucket are the people that are going to be early adopters, super adopters, either already using the system, very technology savvy, very good at change, all of those things. And I've got this whole criteria around how I determine that. Yeah. I get my green bucket sorted first. Yeah. Right? And then I look at the size of the other two buckets, the amber and the red. Right? Um, hopefully the green's bigger than amber and red, but I've had cases where it's been the other way around. Yeah. Um, the, the reds are the ones that I really need to handhold. Yeah. And then the ambers are the ones that I think with some interventions around my change management and communications, I can get them into the green bucket pretty quickly. Your red bucket, if you're not careful, they will attract the amber bucket really quickly, won't they? Correct. If you don't pick them up and, and, and convert them. I'll tell you what, I, I should be interviewing you, Tony. <laughs> you, you, you hit the nail on the head. It, it, it's a call about, and again, it's about understanding the culture of the organisation, which I think also really puts a tick in the box around this, have an internal transformation person yeah. there, you know, because you can understand the culture. Now, sometimes we might say, well, let's get all the greens up and then and then get them onto the new way of doing it. And then, and then what we will do is there'll be a wave, you know, and they'll pick up. The optimism will pick up and then the, and the others will go through. Or we might say, well, let's try to get, we, we think that the reds and the ambers are going to, you know, maybe draw draw back, you know, hold back the greens, you know. So, so there's a call to be made there around how you tackle that change management in terms of those groups, the advocacy and all those sorts of things. Uh, but I think it's important to know that the engagement from the whole of the transfer formation team is not a one-size-fits-all as you said that's not going to work yeah it, you really need to target and tailor to those different groups and different needs of the organization it could well be that someone in the red bucket feel that they no longer want to be part of this new world you know mm-hmm. they've always done it that way and they're going to stick that way yeah. right so and then there's a question for the organization about how we how we manage those people so 
So I think that targeted response is very critical. And it also shows that the project team is listening to the organization. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're able to adapt and we're able to find solutions that can meet a whole range of different needs, especially in those very complex, large organizations. You really need to have that. No, true. Absolutely. And uh, as you say, it, it's, it's critical, I think, that you say that you treat those, those buckets um uh, as 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 one as individuals but see them as three distinct groups of people yes your green buckets can become champions but actually it's the it's the it's the amber bucket that you've really got to pick up on that's right absolutely because this they're, 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 they're going to jump one way or the other they're going to jump one way or the other and uh, and 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 that can really you know that can give you a lot more work if they jump the wrong way right? absolutely absolutely so I think that's an important thing. I think also a critical thing there is that um, the, the project team um, is, is very critical, you know, as a change management vehicle, you know, because um, what, I, what I tend to do is I start my transformation teams small. Mm -hmm. So I make sure that the sponsor... Sometimes I've been the sponsor, but, but if I'm the project leader, the director, whatever it is, um, I want to make sure that I understand what the sponsor's interpretation of this new world is like and what the measures of success are. And, and we both get on the same page. Yeah. Right? And then from there, I'll have a close team, you know, a senior change manager, a senior program manager or program manager. And then, and then as a group, we really, you know, are very crystal clear on a lot of the questions around what this change means and what this new world will look like. And then I slowly build out from there. So by the time that I build the onion out to a full team, we as a team are the biggest communicator of yes. what the new world will be. And we all talk in the same story, the same narrative yeah, yeah. about what this, this organization. And that's very powerful because what will happen is the people in the, in the amber and the red buckets They'll come in and try to, you know, do all sorts of things to derail and block and, and what have you. So, so knowing that we are, are on point and on message is, is a very critical thing. I, I sort of I can't underestimate how important it is yeah. for the project team to yeah. really be on, on board with that. Well, I think I, yeah, I, I use quite a lot of sporting analogies uh, when, when I'm working with, with, with new yes. teams and new projects. And... Um, you know, and, and I'm a big football fan, and and you know full well if you've got a loose cannon in the dressing room, um, and because it has an impact on everybody within that team. Just yep. it just needs one bad apple, and the performance of that team yes. um, uh, massively falls down. And and and, and actually, in, in sport, it's not necessarily a team of superstars that wins. It's That's a team. With true. a common aim and a common purpose. Those are the ones that win. Absolutely. Two of those layers of the onions, the two that I really spend a lot of time on getting aligned, as you say, in the team, Tony, is, is the business owner within the organisation. Because yeah. sometimes, depending on where they sit, um, they might see it as a threat or they might see it as an opportunity. So how does the business owner uh, or the process owner see this transformation and what is their role in it, yeah. you know? Um, at the end of the day, the business needs to own the transformation, not the project team. Absolutely. 
So if they're not fully engaged and effectively leading from the front, then we've got an issue. Um, and the second is that the sort of the change, change networks and the subject matter experts that we talk about, they're almost the outer layer of the onion. Yeah. They're the ones that are going to go in and influence the amber and the red buckets. When we talk about delivering strategy, it's not so much how we're going to get to that next layer of performance. It's how do we create the space in the BAU world to be able to focus on delivering that, you see. So what what I see a lot of organisations do, a massive mistake, is they've got got their best people working, BAU, you know, working hours and hours, and then they say, go and work with Leo on the transformation project. You know, it's not a lot of work to do, et cetera, et cetera. Now... None of that work is in their uh, in their uh, performance framework or review. They're really just doing that, you know, out of the goodness of their heart. So, so when organisations get really good at transformation, those subject matter experts and the change agents come into the project team as a team, yeah. and then they're released from their BAU work, yeah, and, they're, and they're rewarded for delivering that change. And once you start to ingrain that in the organisation, this is how organisations get better at transformation. This is how they get more agile. Because doing that transformation piece was actually a successful thing that you did. And we know that you can now continue to, you know, evolve and change the organisation. So I think, think, you know, really integrating the transformation as part of the DNA of the organisation, I think is absolutely critical. I think that's, that's an important, um, uh, you know, learning, I think, for organisations. Organisations tend to try to do too many initiatives because yes. of what you were saying earlier. Different yeah. functional leads want to do certain things because yeah. within their KPIs, uh, and suddenly you've got all of these things going on. Yes. Uh, um, I remember uh, years and years and years back, chief executive of one of the banks I was working in uh, was saying, we're, we're, we've got more pilots in, in, in operation in the bank than the REF have. Yes. Uh, and, and it was true. There were so many different things going on. But the challenge was that your subject matter experts, there's a limited number of them. Yes. Exactly. All these people are hitting them yes. for a slither of their time. That's but suddenly right. all those slithers of time add up to you know, two or three days worth uh, when they've still got their, their, their day job to do. Absolutely. And then, and then we end up losing those people because we've overworked them, right? When you're on the transformation journey, you know, you're unpacking things, as I said, and you need to try different things because you can see the future differently through different ways and different processes, yeah. different nuances. So you need to have a safe space to be able to explore that, those different Uh, approaches right so when we present that we need to have the right governance framework to be able to to make a call at the end of the day and what I mean by that is that um, um, if the project director the transformation leader is seen to take an agenda or take a, a particular view on something then it can really jeopardise 
the the program because ultimately the, the that, that project director is really delivering the future for the organization he or she is not supposed to be making the call on what it is yeah. that future should be so having a really good and i worked with uh, some colleagues at sydney university the cfo and the cio there who were really good in terms of coming together and, and really providing that that safe space for us to say, look, these are the options, yeah. you know, we've explored them, we've really tried to nut them out and, and try to get the costings. Which one do you think the organisation wants? And then, and then they might say to their, you know, uh, line manager, which one do you think? But it's a process that you go through where people are involved in determining what the best approach is. I think having that structure is very, very important. Yeah, yeah. So if you, if you sort of take all your experience that you've had through the years and you've got to sort of come away with one core takeaway for for the listeners today um the one thing that you think makes all the difference in successful delivery of transformation what would that be yeah um there will be really tough times on the transformation there there really will be tough times you know there'll be times where you can't find the solution where you can't get the right uh, sponsorship where you can't get the right business owner to engage, all of those different elements will come on. Um, it's, it's how you will pull together as a team to really work through those, those pieces. Yeah. And, and each person knowing that they have a particular role in, in helping unblock that and switch and turn that around, I think is very important. So my advice is that there will be ups and downs when you're on the really good times and you've just been successful at delivering something, Reflect back at the difficulties you had mm -hmm. and see how you've come through them, right? And then when you're in the bad times and it's looking pretty dire, think about the success you had and know that you're going to get there. Absolutely. And it's really bringing um, yourself through those ups and downs as a team that is the really important thing. At the end of the day, when you finish that, you'll remember those people forever because you all worked as a team to go through the ups and downs, you know. It's our own transformational journey on the transformation, you yeah. know, as professionals and as human beings to actually fulfil our potential. Absolutely. So it's a real reflection on life. Absolutely. And I think on that philosophical note, <laughs> <laughs> we've probably started to run out of time. So, Leo, that's been really great. Thank you very much. Uh, if, if we get questions, then are you happy to take them? And I'll, I'll coordinate, oh, send them across, it. and yeah. uh, we'll yeah. respond, to, respond to people on the comments on the podcast or the blog. Sounds great, Tony. Thank great. you so much. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, Cheers. Well, once again, thank you, Leo. If you've enjoyed the show today, please do share with your friends and colleagues. Also, if you feel that you'd like to get involved in future episodes, please do contact me. See you next time.